I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Hello there, it's Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcasts, and welcome, and welcome to, oh shit, what did we decide to call it last week? Whatever, it's it's holiday season here at Nerd Alert. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our gift list last week of things to get the nerd or geek in your life. Uh, hopefully we got that to you in time that you can you know get those Amazon orders in just in time to get them by Christmas. Today, we're going to take a look at another fun holiday-related topic, but we'll get into that later. First, let me introduce to you the rest of the Nerd Alert cast. My right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in talk nerdy to me, the host of the fastest-growing show on this network. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from House Rules. Commander Scott. So, speaking of keeping the nerd in talk nerdy to me, something came into my attention uh, this week uh, that I found positively titillating. So um, is this something? Is this something that <laughs> happened like ten years ago, and you just now learned about it? No, no, it's something that did okay. happen earlier this year, and I just now learned about it. Though, there you go. That's but a, now it's a Scott story. But I am going to start. This story does start in 1994, actually. And this is something that I was aware of, uh, uh, albeit uh, kind of on the fringes. In 1994, a Mexican mathematician named Miguel Alcubierre, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, proposed the first mathematical valid solution for warp drive. More specifically, he outlined a spacecraft propulsion system uh, here to only envisioned in science fiction that could uh, uh, basically give us FTL uh, capabilities. Now, while the solution was praised and lauded for its elegant mathematics, it, it was kind of derided a bit for uh, its use of theoretical materials and massive amounts of energy that's basically made it virtually impossible. Uh, over the next decade, uh, a, a gentleman... Uh, named uh the, 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 the hang on i got his name right here his, his last name is white i'm trying to remember what his full name is um uh reworked uh that uh theory so that it was a little 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 less heavy on the the, the exotic materials and stuff uh and it became known as the alcubierre white uh, warp bubble principle uh in june and july of this year actually in july of this year uh dr white 
uh, who is uh, formerly of NASA, formerly the, the lead warp drive expert of NASA, uh, currently uh, is is studying um, Casimir cavities, uh, and uh, uh, for a DARPA funded research project, and he published a paper in which. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm skimming the article here, not not the actual peer paper. I've got that up, and it's very hard to follow. But um, uh, it says, without going into the complicated physics behind Casimir cavities and the tantalizing quantum scale forces often observed in these unusual structures, structures um, he has found while studying these that the... Uh, uh, where's that here? The basically the the negative energy geometries in a vacuum are practical. Uh, yeah, the, well, yeah, here it is. While conducting analysis related to a DARPA funded project to evaluate possible structure of the energy density presented in the Casimir cavity as predicted by the dynamic vacuum model, uh, it's found that the the geometries in this are conducive to the Alcubierre White warp mo- model and uh, he has actually been able to create a, uh, a practical, albeit very humble, warp bubble. Not an analog. An actual warp bubble has been created and established. Specifically, uh, <clears throat> actually modeling a one micron diameter sphere centrally located in a four micron diameter cylinder was analyzed to show a three-dimensional Casimir energy density that correlates well with the Alcubierre warp metric requirements. Meaning that it is entirely possible to create, as of right now, a, a possible test nanoscale of a warp engine. I mean, like, this, this, is, this is a huge breakthrough. It's currently in peer review right now. It was published on Jan- uh, July 31st. 2021 uh, I, I just now heard about it this this week um but i mean n- n- not a not a theoretical warp bubble we are talking an actual warp bubble <clears throat> i mean literally this 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 takes us from the realm of warp drive ftl is 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 pure science fiction to now it is possible maybe not likely or practical anytime soon but possible Scott. That is that is that is leaps. That is I don't I don't even know how to articulate how awesome that is. And I know I'm butchering most of the actual science here. I'm trying to understand the math, but it, it, well, I'm a dumbass when it comes to math. So, Scott. Yeah. I've been saving this one for a while, but I think you've earned it today. <laughs> At no point in your rambling, incoherent response <laughs> are you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. A simple wrong would have cut it. (laughs) Thank you, Commander Scott. No one can ever dare question your title of keeping the nerd in Tot Nerdy to me. Because it would have been fine just to say, hey, this guy at NASA developed a warp bubble. Whoa, but no, you're Scott. You've got to go into the math, because you're Scott. And that's her. Well, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, by, by the way, the peer review article is has been available online for free. I mean, it's it's not behind a paywall. It was released under uh, uh, Google Commons. See, here's the problem with that, though, Scott. 
I don't consider myself a peer to the NASA former, sorry, former NASA warp speed scientist guy. You should, because you're you, but I, I, that's not. I'm still trying to understand what the fuck a Casimir cavity is. It's... I don't know. If NASA has a department of lights that blink and go pew pew, I will peer review that paper. <laughs> it's 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 um it's where they, they put the sweaters. No, not not cashmere. Cas- oh <laughs> 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 sorry. <clears throat> All right, let's get on with this. Riding out this trio, <laughs> joining us from somewhere in time and space to make that beautifully timed cashmere joke via the DeLorean, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Doc. Hey, come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Now I know what a TV dinner feels like. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <clears throat> Not ho, yeah. ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. I like it. Well, you know... Well, you did quote that last week when you were doing your your professor's uh, server Snape does die hard. Sh- yeah. Which, which I enjoy. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I'm thinking it's going to be die hard quotes the whole time. So, because, you know, die hard really? is my favorite Christmas movie. You know, not going to so. change it up with some lethal weapon or... Oh, uh, no, no. Turns or... Nope, nope, Die Hard. I mean, hey. Favorite, favorite Christmas movie. You're the quote guy, dude. You're the quote guy. Yeah. Well, together, collectively, we are the jolliest bunch of a-holes this side of the nuthouse. This is Nerd Alert. Uh, and this week, like I said, we've got another holiday-themed, uh, Christmas-specific-themed episode for you. Because today, we're taking a look at one of my favorite traditions. Favorite, and I'm not going to say best or worst because we're not going to get into like a debate over it. But we're, today we're going to talk about our favorite cinematic depictions of the man in the red suit himself, Papa Noel. Uh, I forgot all the nicknames they were. Papa Gijo. There you go. <laughs> the fat Air man 12. himself, <laughs> Sinterklaas. Keep it going. I can't think of any more. Okay, Santa Claus. We're talking about our favorite cinematic depictions of Santa Claus. There was zero criteria for this, folks. So literally, uh, we're rolling the dice here, especially with Scott, because you know Scott loves those obscure uh, uh, um, uh, choices. So I'm expecting some kind of weird like role-play game-based version of sort of Santa Claus or something to show up on here, because it's Scott. <laughs> so with that said... Um, We'll do this in our usual roundtable. Uh, whoever wants to go first, just spat out. And again, there's no criteria. So let's just talk our favorite cinematic depictions of Santa. Uh, I will say I'm a little ashamed of my first choice because it's like the blatantly obvious choice. So to make up for that, I went super obscure with my next three choices. So I have one that's going to be like, really, John? That Really? Okay, fine, John. Okay. And then the next three are just going to be stupid, random, and obscure. Just to warn you. Okay. We, we so consider ourselves warned. Well, you, you, you want to kick it sure. off? You want me to kick I'll, it off? I'll kick this off. Okay. Take yourselves back, Jay. Hop in the DeLorean. Set the time circuits for 
Christmas of 1994 when TV's Tim Allen accidentally, <laughs> accidentally knocks a man off his roof, uh, puts on his suit, climbs up the ladder, uh, the arose such a clatter ladder company, and becomes Santa Claus thanks to the Santa Claus. It's a legal pun. I didn't understand that for years. I didn't get that. As in 1994, John did not understand the, the pun of a legal clause in Santa Claus. And I misspelled Santa Claus for years because of that movie. Thank you for that. So. Thanks for nothing, Tim Allen, is what I had to say. No. Only this, only only you had English teachers or something, you know, that could have <laughs> next you're gonna tell me the actual Confederate flag wasn't orange. Cause no no Thanks, Dukes of Hazard. I saw Dukes of Hazard, it's orange. <laughs> yeah, John did not argue his way. I think it was like fifth grade <laughs> color in this flag. Uh Mr. Peacock, why is that orange? Because it's it's orange. It's the Dukes of Hazard flag. Wow. Anyway. Just wow. Yep. <laughs> Scott's like, how am I on this show and how do I get off? <laughs> uh, so in 1994, um, this is one of those films that my parents took the whole family to see. And look, I understand it's it's very played out now. And there are at least two that I'm aware of sequels to this that are like Not good. Two steps above Hallmark original Christmas movies. Uh, and I say two because they still have a little bit of a budget. Um, they're not good. But this movie, this movie was fun. This was uh, uh, Tim Allen at the height of his 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 powers, uh, doing his, his very much home improvement shtick, uh, but as Santa Claus. Uh, if you ever want to know what Tim the Toolman Taylor looked like as Santa, bam, here you go. But it's a really fun sort of hook to get you into Santa. Is the okay? How does the actual like secession of Santa's work? Although they do never explain, and I'm being in the sequel territory here. But in the in in the sequ- the second movie, it's the Mrs. Claus because <laughs> he has to get a wife, and it's like, okay, well, what happened to the wife of the previous Santa? We just never talk about it. We just never address that. Uh, but anyway. It was a cool concept, and it introduced things like the elf SWAT team to come break Santa out of jail, and the super tinsel to cut through steel bars, and the the totally uh, home improvement Tim Taylor souped up Santa sleigh um, that had you know like GPS and a hot cocoa dispenser and all that kind of shit. As a kid in '94, this was awesome. Yeah, I so that was going to be my first one to talk about too was Fair, man. Tim Allen from the Santa Claus, because if you were a kid in the nineties, he was Santa. Yep. Like that's, that's just the way it was. There wasn't, there were a lot of Christmas movies that come out, but none that really focused on just the story of Santa. Um, it was all the magic and mystery was pretty interesting. Uh, I enjoy grows back. Yeah. I enjoyed the um <laughs> a few of my favorite scenes are when he opens up the list and it says Armand Asante. Hey, wait a minute. It's uh it's great. Um but also when he's 
at the North Pole and he's looking out the window and he goes, is that a polar bear directing traffic? <laughs> it's just it's just all those little things that like add up. It is a it's a fun and funny movie. And like when you watch it as a kid, you're like, ha ha, look at these funny sort of slapstick joke type things. And then when you watch it as an adult, you're like, ho ho, wink, wink. They threw in some jokes for the the parents. So, oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And like you like you said, when I when I was a kid and I saw it the first time, there was a lot of stuff I didn't understand. But when I watch it now, I'm like, man, this thing's just loaded with all sorts of good for because the people that made it and I, I will give it credit to. There are definitely movie makers who make movies that are geared towards kids that leave jokes in for the adults. And I really appreciate that now as an adult. It's also got a lot of heart to it, which I think yeah. is the the real secret to films like this. And, and for all the slapstick jokes and the, the Tim Taylor bits and whatnot, at its heart, it's a story about a guy trying to connect with his kid. And about the magic of Santa and that you're never too old to believe in Santa. Because at the end of the movie, when he's flying off in the sleigh, we broke him out of jail and everything's going to be okay. And he drops down presents to everybody. And Judge Reinhold, the stepdad, finally gets his Oscar Mayer weenie whistle. Uh, if you didn't get teared up just a little bit at that, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, what was the other one? Mystery date? I think so. See, I get him confused because like in that. the second movie, there's a whole bit where he he um, magically uh, uh, apparates a whole bunch of old school toys at a, a toy fundraiser thing for adults to play. There's like Rock'em Sock'em robots and stuff. So I forget. I get them all mixed up. My no, was, my mom and my like, sister yeah. marathon them all and I get them all mixed up. It was Mystery Date was the mom's. Or something like, yeah, that mystery right. date, I think, and and the weenie whistle, and then yeah, in the second one, there are no presents at the Christmas party. It's like a staff yeah. Christmas party, yeah, yeah, like yeah, for the school or something, and he's he just starts handing out presents, using up and, his Christmas magic to make him uh, actual presents. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It's also well, the, the one with the the baby the wind up that, animatronic. Sorry, what? It's also the one with the baby reindeer that's like, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those <laughs> jokes didn't age well. <clears throat> no, oh no. Uh, not to be confused with the third one, which is when Martin Short comes in as Jack Frost. It's a whole thing. Uh, anyway, the original 1994 Santa Claus. Uh, Scott, you, you want to chime in here, bud? I know it's your favorite. Well, I, actually, I I like the Santa Claus. It it, okay. it really is a fun movie. My my partiality, I think, mm-hmm. to this version of Santa on screen is uh, the whole he's a normal person pretty much throughout the year, and then you know he hits that. I I, I don't know if it's exactly post Halloween or whatever it is, but he starts that magical ramp up, like he starts gaining the weight, the beard starts growing in, he starts the transformation that he can't stop. Mm-hmm. I always loved that aspect of this version of Santa, uh, and the fact that literally Santa is kind of like a you know I don't I don't, I don't know he's he's kind of like the front man when really it's Bernard that runs everything at the the, the North Pole, 
you know, he's there all year long doing things, and 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 uh, Scott, uh, whatever his name is, Scott uh, Scott Calvin, I think his name yep. is, uh, yeah, is uh, is is off doing his own thing throughout the year, and then he then he be, and he comes back, becomes Santa, does his thing. Uh, I always like that aspect of this this version of Santa. Uh, love the first one. I don't I don't know if I've seen the second one. I know I have not seen the third one. I, Look, they I, don't I get better. <laughs> no, but I will say what I like the best about the second one is that like, so in the first one, he transforms into Santa. Mm-hmm. And then in the second one, he is still like, he looks like Santa and then he starts regressing once he's losing his power. Oh yeah. Right. Cause that was the Mrs. Claus. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and so had, like, yes, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. So it's just kind of funny that like, in the first one, it's he turns into Santa and he can't stop it. And oh man, the scene where he shows up to work wearing sweatpants and the sweatshirt. <laughs> Scott, yeah. I Let got stung by a go. bee. Because <laughs> he, like, he, like, he's like shaving like fourteen times a day or something. Yeah. Point in the in the first one, I love that. That was that was the whole that was the whole great thing. I loved it. The the stethoscope and his heart is playing. I think Jingle Bells. <laughs> But it is. It, it, you're so yeah, right, John. It's definitely. It's like Tim Allen at his uh, peak. Tim Allen at his finest. Yep. Uh, excuse me. Tim Allen at his uh, finest is Galaxy Quest. Thank you, sir. We're talking about Ooh. Christmas, Scott. Okay. Okay. Hold on. We're going to table this for another show <laughs> because I would argue peak Tim Allen is Buzz Lightyear. So we'll come back to this topic. <laughs> Best Tim Allen's performance. Tim Allen performance. We'll come back to it. I'm writing it down right now. I'm writing it in all grunt stuff. Just <laughs> that episode will be in all grunts, by the way. So you're welcome. <laughs> oh yeah, funny. So there you go, Tim Allen, mine and Jason's. One of mine and Jason's favorite Santa, and Scott's okay with it too. Yeah, I got nothing against Tim Allen as Santa. He did a good Santa. It was a good Santa. You want to get creeped out? Watch. I think it's the second one when they put the wind-up animatronic Santa in place oh, of him, so people yes. don't know he's gone. And he goes full-on crazy dictator Santa. But it's still yeah. Tim Allen to look, made up to look like a plastic wind-up Santa. It's creepy as hell. Oh yeah, that's a creepy Santa. You cut some different music and you got a horror movie there. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's for for sure. So who wants to go next? Scott, you want to go? Because since John and I sort of. Had yeah. Well, so are, are, am I starting with my favorite Santa? Are we starting with Are we ending on favorites? How are we doing this? Whatever order you want to go in, bud. Well, you know what? I'm going to start with my favorite. Okay. It's not from a movie, though. Just FYI. Um, <laughs> it, I love you, Scott. <laughs> it, it, is, it is. It's from a TV show because. Okay. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't realize. I, I honestly thought we were just doing live action Santas. I didn't realize we could open this up to to other media. Uh, of of. Well, like I think the, all of well, all but one of mine is live action. So yeah, once again, I didn't. I didn't realize. So I, I've, I've got a couple others to talk about. But my favorite on screen depiction of Santa thus far uh, is from uh, the, uh, the 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 librarians, the the TV show. Uh, I believe it was their second season. They did a Christmas episode. And Santa is played by. Uh, yeah, I just completely blanked in my head. 
Um, Bruce Campbell. Oh, shit. Bruce Campbell plays Santa Claus. Coming out <laughs> swinging. And yeah, so he so first of all, you, you, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge sucker for anything that's eclectic or, or, or different takes on stuff that's, you know, not not your typical and traditional uh, depictions of things. And. OK, over the years, now here, here's the thing. So so Christmas. Everybody, you know, says, you know, that Christmas is a, a Catholic Christian holiday, right? You get this whole birth of Christ thing. Well, the truth is that about 80 to 85 percent, actually, I even go 90 percent of all Christmas traditions are pagan in nature. Um, they were held over from uh, the time. And in, in fact, one of the one of the first quote unquote Christmases, I mean, we, we've got the Yule log and we call it Yule Tide. And Yule, of course, being the uh, the, the winter festival and the, the winter celebrations of, of the Vikings way mm-hmm. back when. Uh, uh, the 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 Yule feast, the 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 Yule god, the I guess you could call him the first iteration of Santa Claus was Odin, the Yule Brenner. <laughs> no, cool Jake. runnings. No, cool, cool runnings joke. No. no. Oh god. No. No. no? All right. No. All right. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I died a little inside there. <laughs> uh, but... Jay, no point in your pointless rambling. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I saw a pun and I took it. All right. You sure did. You sure did. Uh, anyway, uh, so over the years, Santa has been depicted in different ways. Uh, of course, you've got Odin uh, way back when. You've got uh, St. Nicholas, obviously. Uh, you've got uh, toy makers and, and different different legends. So in, the, in, in, in Bruce Campbell's version, Santa Claus is a... Uh, basically a personification if you will a a a living uh uh avatar of goodwill okay and what he does is uh basically he manifests in kind of whatever version um uh, uh, behavior type thing as, as currently is most popular in, in, in regions and stuff to believe in him. Now, even though he's still Bruce Campbell, so he's basically in a in a suit, uh, no beard, and he's got this he's got this weird kind of I don't know what you call it. It's, it's some kind of a almost Victorian like hat thing that he wears, uh, and that hat is uh, the uh, uh, oh. Shit, what what do they call it? Uh, like an like an icon for this iteration of Santa. He always refers to himself in the third person. Um, in 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 this in this show, which is awesome, uh, especially when he goes to show Eve, uh, the played by uh, uh, Rebecca Romaine Stamos, uh, or just Rebecca Romaine now I think. Um, but uh, he goes to take her to the sleigh, uh, and and when he, because she doesn't believe he's actually Santa, and when he when he comes around the corner, the sleigh's gone, and it, he he gives the line, hmm, somebody jack Santa's ride, awesome, <laughs> coming from Bruce Campbell, um, and so he's he's an avatar of goodwill all throughout the year. He travels the world. And anywhere that there is a overt demonstration of goodwill, compassion, hope, humanity, 
mercy, all the good feelings, he partakes in those events and he absorbs all of this humanity, the good feelings, the 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 hope, the goodwill. Uh, and at the end of the year, on the winter solstice, um, basically at, at the end of the year, humanity's batteries are are drained from the year. So instead of him traveling the whole world and giving gifts, what he what he actually does, because most times you know legends over the over the years they they get things wrong and things mutate. What he actually does is is, is he takes his sleigh and he he flies up to the North Pole and he taps into the magical ley lines of the planet and he releases all of that goodwill that he has absorbed back into the world uh, and giving and he gives a single gift to the whole of humanity on that one night. And I, I, I've always thought ever since I first saw it, I, I always thought this was a wonderful concept of Santa. Uh, it, it, it's beautiful. Bruce Campbell does does an amazing job, especially when he loses his hat in the in in the in the show. And so because he doesn't have his, uh, I forget what they call it, it's not icon, but uh, but a talisman. That's what it is. When he, when he loses the talisman to his current form, basically he, he starts slipping into past versions. And at one point, uh, he, it, 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 he still looks like Bruce Campbell. He just changes his behavior. And at one point he slips back into Odin and he starts a bar fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, so it, it's a wonderful episode, and it's a it's a wonderful version of uh, of Santa. I, I just it, he's my favorite when I when I want to. Yeah, I, I love him. It's Bruce Campbell. Hey, anytime you tie in Santa to Norse mythology, you get my vote, man. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that the reason uh, we have the eight tiny reindeer came from Odin's eight legged horse. I don't know. If that's true. I'm just gonna put that out there and say it is. See, that, that one I don't know. I haven't found anything tying the eight reindeer to Odin. Prove me wrong. I read it on the internet. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, not <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I just haven't. Uh, yeah. Um. So. Nice. Yeah. Bruce Campbell, Bruce Santa Claus. Bruce Campbell as Santa Claus. Especially. I dig it. So, at one point, you know, uh, he 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 goes to ho ho ho. You know, he's like, ho, ho. And he's like, no, no, you're not ho-hoing. No ho-hoing. And, and they're in a truck because uh, they're, they're they're trying to drive. Uh, I forget where they're driving to. It's like Alaska. It's not, not Alaska. They're trying to drive the, uh, the Arctic. Anyway, um, they're in a truck. And, <laughs> and Bruce looks over and he's like, you got to let Santa get to the third hoe. If you don't let Santa get to the third hoe, it sticks in Santa's mind. It said it doesn't like it. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Ho to the king, baby. Ho to the there king. you go. And there's our episode title. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jay, since I stole one of yours, you want to go next? Um. Yeah, I can. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my favorite one for last. Says because okay. I could only so I could only think of three, and you already stole Tim Allen. So sorry, uh, buddy. I'm down to two. So when I think of Santa Clauses that are my favorite, uh, there's a lot that can come to mind, but there's one that sticks with me 
for all the wrong yet right reasons. Uh, and it's probably not the one you're thinking of. Uh, it's a different bad Santa, if you will. Uh, what I'm thought, what I'm talking about is Robo Santa from Futurama, voiced by <laughs> John Goodman. Nice. Because <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite Christmas episodes of any cartoon out there. It's just the fact that Fry is still calling it Christmas and everybody else calls it Xmas. And they're like, what What are you saying? Oh, you must mean Xmas. And they have lights in a spray paint can. And they're talking about how you can't be out on Christmas Eve. Otherwise, Santa will murder you. Yep. <laughs> Santa Claus, C-L-A-W-S. And he's got one robot reindeer, one or two robot reindeer pulling his sleigh. And he lives, instead of living on the North Pole, he lives on Pluto. Which is, you know, like North Pole of the solar system, if you want to think of it that way. And I just, oh man, I love it. I love watching that episode where he's chasing Fry around. Um, pulls out rocket launchers and Tommy guns. And he's just trying to murder everybody. And they have murder the, bot Santa. They have the uh, the giant steel door that comes over the fireplace. And uh, Professor Farnsworth has, he's D, he's identified the um, Planet Express, but like it's Santa protection. Oh God, I love it. And John Goodman does such a great job as his voice. Like he just, he rolls with it. You know what I mean? He just goes with it and mm-hmm. totally goes for it and sells out. And that's, that's why I love Robot Santa. Um, I think, I believe John Goodman only did the one episode. I believe you're right. I think he did the first one. Because I think there's two or three yeah. that have the character. But I'm yeah. pretty sure John Goodman was only the first one. Oh, yeah. Every time, and I love Futurama itself as a show. And, but when the when this Christmas episode comes on, it's really funny. <laughs> It's just you get to see robot Santa and they just completely flip the whole thing on its head of, oh, all the good girls and boys get presents. And it's like, now all the naughty girls and boys get murdered. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, there you go. Solid choice. I've I've not seen this episode. Uh, I've only seen, you know, uh, maybe a couple of seasons of, of Futurama. I've never never gone through the whole thing. Yeah. Right up your alley, buddy. Well, I mean, I, I love, like, like I've watched the first two or three seasons or something like that. Uh, and, because uh, I started to watch, but then I just kind of trailed off. And I loved what I watched. It's funny as shit. I just don't know why. Uh, I, I, I just keep, like, you know, stopping. I don't know why. Well, it's, I mean, you got to find this one. According to this, it says it's season two, episode eight. Um, I should have seen it, but I don't remember. Yeah, you probably have, but it's probably been a while since you've seen it. But basically the premise is that I can't remember who built the robot Santa, but the robot Santa's wires got crossed and 
instead of delivering presents to the good girls and boys, he murders anybody who's misbehaving or has been bad throughout the year, which is pretty much everybody on the planet. So on Christmas Eve, instead of everybody getting together and like going out and enjoying Christmas or, you know, spending time doing whatever, they huddle up for for safety and protection and seal themselves in. And anybody who gets caught out on Christmas Eve usually ends up getting murdered by Santa. It's like a one man purge. Yeah. Yes. It it you definitely need to check this episode out, Scott, because it's it is up your alley. It's it's really funny because I think the the whole plot is that Fry is trying to find the perfect gift for Leela and um, is out on Christmas Eve past like four o'clock or whatever. Past past the curfew. Yeah, because you know it gets dark super early. So. Yeah, that's check it out. Definitely recommend good, it. Good pick, bud. Karana will approve. <laughs> and also, just going to throw this one shameless plug in there. Every time that I watch this episode, it makes me think of, I think, was it Weird Al who did The Night Santa Went Crazy? Oh, God, yes. Love that song. <laughs> it just reminds me of that song, which makes it even better. The night Santa went crazy. The night Saint Nick went insane. Realized he'd been getting the raw deal. Something finally must have snapped in his brain. (laughs) Oh, it's such a great song. I need to listen to it. I haven't listened to that song in forever. Oh. Anyway, just gonna let you guys go. <laughs> wait, waiting for the second verse to kick in, but okay. Um, I'm so, you back on me? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Oh, that was loud. Which one to go? Which one to save? Okay, so, <clears throat> like I said, I was a little embarrassed by how obvious and on the nose my first one was. So my next bunch of picks, well, I have two, and then I have one that would gave me. Um, my next pick is obscure because this is a character you probably forgot is even in this movie slash book because he's only in one scene. Uh, and he's just there to give out some presents. But this Santa gets a, an A plus for excellent gift giving. Because the gifts he gives are not only awesome, they pay off further down the road in future installments of this franchise. Mm. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Father Christmas Mm. from The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, Mm -hmm. the Witch, and the Wardrobe, 2005, played by James Cosmo. If you don't recognize the name, don't worry. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, you know him better as Lord Commander Mormont of the Night's Watch. I was rewatching the scene and I was like, I know him from something. Not this, but something else. Where the f- do I know him from? And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So boom. Uh, and the gifts he gives. So every good fantasy story has that moment where your heroes get cool stuff, you know, because, you know, loot and shoot. That's what fantasy is all about. Slaying it's dangerous to cool go stuff. alone. Take this with you. Exactly. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, Lady Gladriel gives nice gifts and then, you know, fine, sure, whatever. But if you're going to give out gifts, because uh, part of the, the whole thing of, of the first uh, Narnia line, which the wardrobe is, the curse on the land is it's always winter but never Christmas. So when the Pevensies start to break that curse and winter starts to, to go away, in the last waning days of, of winter, or hours really, because it's magic, time is wibbly-wobbly, uh, Father Christmas shows up. And he gives Peter Pevensey his sword and shield, Susan Pevensey the bow and arrow and her horn, which is going to be very important later down the road. Uh, and Lucy Pevensey gets the magical healing cordial, which is super important, and uh, her dagger. And not only are they cool fantasy items, because, you know, any Santa roaming the countryside, handing out swords and bows and arrows to kids, gets an A in my book. Santa never got me a sword for Christmas. I'm just saying, feel a little gypped. Uh, but those items, the horn is how they, the Pevensies end up getting pulled back into Nardia in the second book. And the cordial is, if I'm remembering correctly, how they heal Aslan in the first one. I think, I don't remember. Uh, uh, or no, it's what she uses to go heal all the people on the battlefield. Excuse me. Um, so both of those items are important in, in later on the road. Uh, it's, it's some cool planting of, of uh, items there. But uh, again, a, a character you probably forgot even shows up because he's only, in, even in the book, he's only there for one scene. Uh, but man, what a scene. Yeah, I, I remember complaining uh, to my DM back in the day when I when I first read uh, the Chronicles of Narnia that I was really upset that uh, we'd never been in the middle of a campaign and Santa Claus showed up to give us really cool magical items. Uh, I, w- I was pissed actually. I'm like, where the hell is Santa with my with my magical items? Yeah. I, I need Santa. But I, I didn't realize up until I read Chronicles of Narnia that, that Santa could just show up in the middle of a fantasy story. Um, of course, I mean, Chronicles of Narnia does have some uh, heavy, heavy Christian undertones, but uh, but that's just because, you know, C.S. Lewis was, that's just who he was. But well, and I, I always also, as a kid, again, the, the the part of the curse is always winter, but never Christmas, because like as a kid, what's the worst thing ever? It's always winter. You can never go out and play because it's super cold outside, but it's never Christmas either. Like, oh, that sucks. So I just love that it's tied into the breaking of the curse that, oh, hey, Santa can show up now. Um, Listen, John, I'm yes. not going to lie. Okay. When you started talking about distributing swords, Uh-oh. <laughs> this is this is what came to mind. All right. Now, give me a second. There's some, can, there's I have, some... can I have Scott do it? <laughs> is Martha home, Scott? <laughs> Martha can be home if uh, if Jay actually wants to run through this. Do it. Do it. I mean, it depends on what part he wants to do and what part he wants me to do. Well, so I looked up I looked up the um the part where King Arthur starts with I am your king. Okay. That's because I was line, looking Jay. What? Feed him his line. Oh, well I didn't vote for you. Okay, hang on. No, time out. Let's let's start. Okay. Here. okay. So what Take part two? You know? and... Okay, so King Arthur, old woman, man, 
Yeah, that one. No, what? So, what knight lives in that castle over there? I'm 37. What? I'm 37. I'm not old. Well, I can't just call you man. You could say Dennis. I didn't know you were called Dennis. You didn't bother to find out, did you? I did say sorry about the old woman, but from behind, you look what I object to is you automatically treat me like an inferior. But I am king. Oh, king, eh? Very nice. How'd you get that, eh? By exploiting the workers. By hanging on to outdated imperialist dogma, which perpetuates the economic and social differences in our society. If there's ever going to be any progress... Dennis, there's some lovely filth down here. <laughs> and how do you do? How do you do, good lady? I am Arthur, King of the Britons. Whose castle is that? King of the who? The Britons. Who are the Britons? Well, we all are. We're all Britons. And I am your king. I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Why do you become one then? The Lady of the Lake, her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite, held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, am to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in paws to strip souls is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the bosses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Be quiet. I mean, if I went around saying I was an emperor just because some moistened bink had loved a scimitar at me, they put me away. <laughs> shut up. I order you to shut up. Order? <laughs> Who does he think he is? I am your king. Sorry. <laughs> no, never apologize for that. <laughs> this this, this has uh, to be my favorite line right here. It's an excerpt <laughs> from Scott's one-man show. <laughs> Where, where Dennis says you can't expect to wield supreme power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. <laughs> yep. Went around saying I was an emperor just because some moistened bink had loved a scimitar at me. They put me away. <laughs> oh, that was good. Good job. That was good. Love it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, John, that's what popped into my head when you started talking about distributing swords. <laughs> Yep. <coughs> oh so yeah, yeah anyway what were we talking about no, that's my second pick uh father christmas <laughs> from narnia nice uh scott yes i believe we're back to you scott oh back to me well so another one of my favorite incarnations of, of Santa, now that I know we didn't have to stick to just uh, live action, <laughs> uh, uh, is, is actually in the Dresden Files. I don't know if anybody here has read the Dresden Files. I read the first one. They, they are good. Well, so they're, they're a really good series of books all the way up until the point when um, the, the guy uh, is divorced by his wife because while he's a good writer, I'm pretty sure his wife was the, the, the creative genius behind the characters in the books. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, in, uh, in, in the Dresden Files, of course, Dresden, uh, Harry Dresden, actually, his name is, uh, uh, what's his full name? Angus MacGyver. No, 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 no. That's that's a different oh, character. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No. Um, Gordon Shumway. No, no. Once again, different character. Okay. Um, uh, Papa Jojo. There you are. <laughs> that's it. Nailed it. Uh, Sinterklaas. 
Um, anyway, Dresden very is uh, he's a wizard. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of the series, he is the only wizard listed in the Chicago Yellow Pages. Jason, say it with me now. You're a wizard, Harry. You're a, you're a lizard, Gary. Hey, okay. you're drunk. Go home. Um, and at one point, he uh, uh, he kind of throws down with uh, the character of Kringle. Okay. Um, Kringle? I'm sorry. Chris Kringle. So at the time you meet him, he's just called Kringle. Oh, okay. uh, and there is there is a a uh, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you would call it. They're 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 fair. They're creatures of the Fey. There's there's a thing called the Hunt, uh, and, and Kringle joins the Hunt occasionally. Uh, okay. The Wild Hunt, sorry, uh, uh, with uh, Lord Hearn. And uh, so in the story, Harry uh, basically challenges kringle and kringle is a massively powerful entity uh and he throws down with kringle uh and he actually does win but you find out that kringle throws the fight because he knows what harry is doing and he kind of approves of it but he can't do it willingly so he has to use the pretext of the fight to help harry okay okay and after all is said and done so uh so uh in this, I'm I'm looking at the. It's been a while since I've read the book, but I'm 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 reading the, uh, the 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 wiki entry here. Uh, uh, he is compared to a bear. He has broad shoulders, forearms nearly as large as his upper arms, with a thick neck, a barrel chest, and a huge frame. Kringle's hair is short, white, shining clean. His beard long, white, and cascading over his chest like a fluffy wave. His eyes are clear winter sky blue. Uh, he has ancient scars of white lines on his uh, hands and face. He wears a coat of mail uh, and an open overcoat of a rich red trimmed in white fur and, uh, held, and held by a black leather belt. Tucked into his belt were a pair of white fur trimmed black leather gloves. His jovial laughs are frequently carried over the den of parties that, that he regularly attends at Mabs, who is the queen of the winter court. Um, he enjoys a good battle every few years to keep his life engaging. Um, uh, he sometimes joins the wild hunt, surprising Harry Dresden, which always thought of him as Santa Claus. And of course, this is not your, this is not your typical Santa Claus. This is, this is, think of the, the trappings of Santa Claus, but this, this big, you know, muscular, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's a hoss, a supernatural hoss at that. Um, and, uh, uh, you find out later uh, after all is said and done, when he go, when Harry goes to give him his power back that, that he got from winning the fight, that uh, Kringle is just one of many names that he goes by, and it, it's kind of a, an identity that he assumes post-Halloween. Most other time, he goes by the name Odin. So once again, we come back to Odin as, as the original uh, uh, Santa Claus and everything. So literally, Harry, without realizing it, challenged a god. He, he was. He was here. He does thing to do. Yeah, it was. It was fun. I always. I always liked that one. Um, uh, see, it says as, as Kringle he admits to assuming the mantle of Santa Claus only after Halloween, drawing the line at doing so before that day. 
when when Harry Dresden challenges him about it, he informs him that neither he nor the Earl King nor the eldest Gruff are what they once were, and that a long life is rife with unexpected turns and windings, something that Dresden should know uh, about. Uh, yeah. So I always I always like the fact that Santa showed up in, in Dresden that he was that he sometimes joined the wild hunt that he was uh I, I don't know he was a uh, you know a rowdy you know he, he, he still had the trappings he had the, the the red coat and everything but we 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 hearken it back to uh uh to uh uh, uh pagan Odin. yeah Odin you know that basically I I I cuz I I I revel in uh, trying to destroy people's image of Christmas by letting them know where all the Christmas traditions come from. It has nothing to do with Jesus. No, they, they, all, they all come from Hallmark. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Christmas trees are evergreens. I mean, that's, that's, that's clearly um, Celtic in nature. You've got Yule logs, which come from the Vikings. You've got wreaths, which is still more evergreen. Holly. Uh, you know, I mean, pretty much every Christmas tradition that is celebrated is pagan in nature. And, um, um, well, that's not an accident that, uh, the, the whole birth no. of Christ in December thing was a yeah, exactly. move on the yeah. part of the church. Yeah. Cause well, cause, cause the Catholic church was expanding into these, these Celtic and Viking nations and everything. And they were, they were literally, you know the influence of the church was growing, and 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 they would come in and they would usurp local holidays and traditions by saying, "Hey, it coincides." It's like, "Oh, you're you're celebrating the winter solstice. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we're getting ready to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's let's combine the two. Yeah. By the way, you now believe in Christ. No, no, no. We're not saying your religion is is bad. We're just saying so. In your religion, there's this thing called Ragnarok, right, where all the gods fight and die. Well, that already happened. They're all dead. So come come worship our dude. Yeah. He's where it's at. He's the only one left now. He's cool. Oh, we we like trees and stuff too. Yeah, you can you can you can still do that. That's fine. Just you know, just you know, give us money and say, Yay, Christ. Yeah, here, read this book. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Nerd Everyone's Christmas. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, also, in case you're listening, Kurt Cameron, shut the fuck up. Aww. Aww. Kurt Cameron can just go die. Aww. But he'll be left behind. Ha! Jay! (laughs) (laughs) That Yule Brenner shit had me questioning you, but then you'd go and do something like this. Completely redeem yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Where were we? Santa Claus. Clauses. Scott Santa refers Claus. to Santa Claus as Odin getting in bar fights. I do, I, I, I do, don't disagree. I, I do like a good Odin Santa bar fight. Ooh, <laughs> I wonder if you can make that into a bar a board game or a card game. Odin Listen, Santa bar fight. I just got an image of um oh John, forgive me. Who plays Odin in Thor? I can't. Yeah, okay. So I just got an image of him. In a bar fight with Tim Allen as Santa, and well, the, the, Anthony the, Hopkins the, as Odin. The problem with the Anthony Hopkins Odin, and, and I love Anthony Hopkins as the Marvel Odin. He does really good, but the Marvel Odin is not the Norse Odin, at least in my opinion. 
and he doesn't really have that bar fight mentality. Maybe in his in the, the younger days of the the Marvel Odin, he was a little bit more rambunctious. But I just I don't see him as the I don't see him in in the Thor role. You know, the, the, that's what Thor's thing is the MCU Odin definitely does not. The comic book Odin absolutely does. Mm. Um, the comic book Odin in current continuity uh, was dropped off on a gladiatorial planet built out of the hand of a celestial where he's just been fighting for the past couple of years. Already blowing off steam. Yep. Nice. And I think when Thor went to find him, they ended up starting a bar fight. I'm pretty sure. So, Oh, nice. Nice. Even better. (laughs) I'll send you a pic of that issue. Because I'm pretty sure that's the cover. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, the uh, Anthony Hopkins is much more of a, I'm at the end of my reign. I'm kind of I've sown my wild oats. I'm, I'm ready to pass the the crown on. And uh, yeah, no, that's a uh, uh, comic book goat and definitely not so much. Awesome. Well, it's still the image I got in my head. So fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> See, I had to watch that movie. Now I want to see, I want to see a movie. I want to see an Avengers type movie, but I want to see it with just all the different incarnations of Santa Claus. Ooh, you know, I just I want to see a team of Santas. Now, I don't, I don't mean like I don't mean like a a shared universe of other movie Santas that we've got. I, I mean all new casting, you know, new 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 people, but the different historical versions of, of Santa Claus. You know, <clears throat> nice. I think that would be fun. Yeah. All right. Yay. Are Back we... to me again? I forgot where we're at. I'm terrible with this. that host. <clears throat> All right. Well, I'm gonna. I'll throw out. I've just got this one left. Do okay. it. Um. There are few movies in, like, Christmas movies for me that I watch and I say, okay. Now it's Christmas. Like I make I make the joke that it's not officially Christmas until I watch Die Hard. Okay, I can I can make it through Christmas without watching Die Hard. Um it's it's not really Christmas season for me until I get to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh it's a classic Christmas movie. Um it's it doesn't really feel like Christmas for me until you watch some version of a Christmas carol. Right. My personal favorite is the Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes. Yay. Uh, that's my favorite. Same. Uh, but yep. there's one movie that I cannot get through a Christmas without watching. And to me, it it's got like a special place for me because not only is it my favorite version of this movie, it's actually my dad was the one who got me to start watching this movie because it's his favorite version of this movie. And so I, I always need to watch this around Christmas and it has my favorite version of Santa Claus in it. Okay. And the movie I'm talking about is miracle on 34th street. Oh, classic. Not, not, the 1990s version, but the 1947 Miracle on Christmas or Miracle on 34th Street. So, the original. 
it's been the, a, it's been a the while black and white one. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I have seen that movie because it's not one of my it's not one of my staples. It's not one of my yearly go tos. But yeah, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but in that movie they never actually definitively say if he's the real Santa or not because that's kind of the point of the movie is you're supposed right. to make your own mind, right? So, and I get that, but then like at the end. And, you know, it's from 1947, so I'm not spoiling this for anybody. But the the U.S. Postal Service delivers all the letters that they have in New York to Chris Kringle at the courthouse. And since the U.S. Postal Service, an entity of the U.S. government, deems this person to be Santa Claus by delivering the letters to the correct person... He's then Santa Claus. But yes, the whole point of the movie is that, is he Santa? Is he not Santa? Did he do these things? Doesn't he do these things? Maybe he's just a crazy old coot. But he still he still portrays Santa in cinematically you know what i'm yeah. saying well no I'm, I'm not yeah no that's fine i, I was just yeah. want to make sure i got the head the right movie in my head yeah yep and um the guy who plays him his name is edmund gwen does a great job he's funny he's caring he's stern when he has to be i mean he whacks a guy on the head with his cane which wait, is wait, hilarious he guy? is he part yeah. of the five families does he use it yeah yeah he whacks a guy uh he's just like his whole introduction is he's trying to teach the Macy's Santa how to like whip because he's supposed to be leading these deer through the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade yeah and uh but he's clearly never ran a team before yeah exactly well no he's drunk that the Macy's Santa is drunk ah and so this guy steps in and that's when we meet the um, the main protagonist, uh, who's the female who works, um, Doris, who works for Macy's. And she says, can you do this, please? And then there's a whole thing of she doesn't teach her daughter about Christmas. And then her daughter thinks that this guy actually is Santa Claus. And there's a great scene where a little girl comes up to him in Macy's and sits on his lap. And the mother adopted her from... Um, the Netherlands because she only speaks Dutch and Chris, Chris Kringle, cause that's his name in the movie. Chris Kringle starts speaking Dutch to her. And so it's just like, there's, it's really heartwarming and it's just a great movie. And I love this version of Santa. And one of my favorite parts is he's, um, he moves in with Fred Gailey and, Fred lives across the hall from the main protagonist. And so Chris doesn't have a place to stay. So he moves in with Fred Gailey. <laughs> They're about to go to sleep. And he's like, well, good night. And then Fred goes, oh, no, you're not going to take this from me. I've been wondering this question for years. Does Santa sleep with his beard under the blanket or outside? And then Chris looks at him and goes, always outside. The cold air helps it grow. <laughs> oh god yeah it's a great movie i love this movie it is definitely a classic i need to watch that one again it's so good like i said i watch it like every year 
dad and I used to watch it every year together. Um, I'd come home from, I'd either be at home because I was living at home or I'd come home from college and dad would always be like, let's watch Miracle on 34. <laughs> always made jokes about the, uh, there's the doctor, the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist always would twist his eyebrows when he'd get really nervous. <laughs> and my dad would always look at me and go, man, that guy's so nervous. Look at him twisting his eyebrows. It was just funny, but. Uh, well. At least you went with this as a classic and not uh, uh, not the worst Christmas movie ever made as the classic. But he doesn't have Santa Claus in that one, so I can understand. Wait, the worst Christmas movie ever made? Yes. It's a, it's a wonderful fucking life. Oh, that's Shots not a Christmas fired. movie. God, that I is hate. not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Pop culture would say otherwise, Jay. I hate that movie. Well... Yeah. Yeah. I have a bad life. I wish I'd never been born. Fine. Good. You're never born. Get over yourself. Let's move on. <laughs> and I just I just can't see it's a wonderful life as a like I get people watch it at Christmas and it's got it's Christmas time and all this other stuff, but like the story of it isn't Christmas to me. Yeah, I tend to agree. It is, it doesn't feel good Christmas to me at all. Either. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I I picked this one because I like this one much better than the 19. I think it was like 90-something. Uh, it I, has... Um, is this, what's his name? Is it David Attenborough? Honestly, I didn't, I didn't realize... Richard they, Attenborough, I think. Richard. Richard Attenborough. Um, Park, yeah. 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 John Hammond. Yes, exactly. John Hammond plays Chris Kringle in the remake. Well, you know, Santa spares no expense. It's just not the same. I don't know. There's just something about it. Something about the remake. And it's basically like a shot for shot remake. Just like tried to update it. But it's just. It's not the same. It doesn't have the same punch. So anyway, Edmund Gwen, Chris Kringle, Miracle on 34th Street. If you've never seen it, go watch it. I know some people say it's hard to watch older movies like that. I don't know who those people are, and they're heathens, but, you know, Those people go are watch terrible? It. Yeah. And there's a special level of hell reserved for them. Next to people who talk in the theater. Oh, my God. Okay. There's nothing that annoys me more than the What's Happening Next movie watchers. And I tell my middle school students, I'm like, you guys... I wouldn't want to watch a movie with you guys because you are not patient enough to just wait and see what happens. You got to know answers right now. But anyway. That's a rant for another show. It's okay. Sorry. Sorry. It's hey. tri- triggered me. Triggered me. It's all good. Uh, the same way. I hate that. And, the, you know, the worst offenders. I don't know. I don't know if it was true for you, John, but my dad was one of the worst offenders. Of that, my he, wife is the worst. Uh, what What are we talking about? So, Dad and I Watch would go see. Yeah, Dad and I would go see a movie. It'd be the first time I'd seen the movie too, and he'd be in the middle of the movie. He'd lean over and go, "What's going on? <laughs> Who's that? What's happening now?" And I'm like, "Dad, I don't know. I'm watching it too. Okay." 
<laughs> but well, what was worse is if I had actually seen the movie because then I'd have to be like, that's Boba Fett. Well, I mean, that's a stretch of an example. He knew Star Wars, but like, oh, yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> when, when I'm watching a movie, I always try to try to figure out. I always try to try to figure out ahead. I try to figure out what's going on when they don't want me to know. And that's fine as long yeah. as you're doing it internally. What we're saying what we hate is, is the people yeah. who speak out loud and oh. can can't process internally i still liked it when when you brought over uh what was it cabin in the woods uh and what was it it was like it wasn't very far into the movie it was only like maybe 20 25 minutes or something into the movie and the the two characters were having the the the, one of their talks in in the control center or whatever and i looked over at you and i'm like wait did they bring ritual sacrifice into the 21st century and control it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the look you gave me was like holy shit stop it <laughs> watch the movie yeah the look of shut up and watch the movie <laughs> whitney stop trying to figure it all out and just let the movie happen <laughs> you were quit asking me questions until the end of the movie the movie might answer your question watch it Unless it's Prometheus, then it doesn't answer any questions. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Let's not. We don't have three hours to be here. Let's not do that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. I got it. We, we derailed for a second there. Miracle on 34th Street, 1947. Go check it out. Great movie. Make you feel good. If you need a break from all the Hallmark movies, go watch this classic. It's so much better. Very nice. So there you go. My favorite version of Santa. Bam. Oh. So who are we on now? You, I think. Okay. I'm okay. Um, I'm going to save my favorite, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give the honorable mention because Whitney threw this one at me. And I won't lie. When she first tossed it out, I kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, really? Because it was a little on the nose, but she gave a very compelling argument for it. So, my honorable mention from 1993, the eternal classic, because Hot Topic wouldn't be able to survive without it, Nightmare Before Christmas, Sandy Claus, a.k.a. Santa Claus, uh, as voiced by Edward Ivory. I had to look this up. And when you said that, and I was like, really? Why? Just because he's Santa from your favorite movie? And then she gave me the following argument, which upon further review, I was like, okay. That's a legit argument. So the plot of Nightmare Before Christmas, all the holidays exist in their own little weird worlds. Uh, So in Christmas world, there's only one holiday and it's Christmas. And in Halloween world, there's only Halloween. It's the only holiday you get. Uh, Jack Skellington, who's like the the, um, head of Halloween town, finds a portal and finds the other doors and goes into Christmas world. And it's like, what's this? Um, So he decides. I think there's a whole song about it, isn't it? There is a whole song about it. I'm not going to go into it. (laughs) For not doing that. Um, Decides he wants to bring Christmas to Halloween world. uh, And he wants to take over the role of Santa Claus. Everything gets messed up uh, because the the people in Halloween world don't get Christmas and everything gets messed up. And it's a big disaster. Uh, Towards the end of the film, uh, Sandy Claus, Santa Claus has been kidnapped by the Oogie Boogie, the bad guy. We have to rescue Santa. So after spoiler rescuing Santa, 
uh, uh, he's he's freed, and, and Jack says to him, "You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess everything up." And in this moment, Santa is is visibly upset, as anyone would be if you were kidnapped by a bunch of monsters and hauled to Halloween World uh, in, in the back of a sack uh, <laughs> and tortured by the boogeyman for a while. You'd be a little miffed, uh, but. When, when Jack says to him, I hope I haven't ruined Christmas, he says, of course you haven't. There's always time to save Christmas. And he flies off in his sleigh. And this dude puts in the hours on the clock, man. This in in He's already behind the eight ball, okay? Jack's already been trying to deliver presents on Christmas night and ruining everything. So he's, he's making up for lost time. Not only does he have to pull off his job, he's got to fix what Jack did. And he pulls it off. He saves Christmas. But that's not enough because it's Santa Claus. And in a really cool moment that I had totally forgotten happens in the movie, uh, towards the end, after he's saved Christmas, Santa comes back into Halloween Town or World or whatever it's called and flies overhead, sees Jack, looks down to Jack, and he says to Jack, Happy Halloween. And Jack says back to him, Merry Christmas. And then Santa makes it snow in Halloween Town. He gives Jack a gift. And I thought that was a pretty good argument, so I threw it in. Good job, Whitney. And we'll never listen to this episode. Okay. So there you go. There's my honorable mention. Okay. Awesome. So now you can give us your favorite. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm doing two. Okay. Whew. Strap in, boys. I told you I was getting obscure, didn't I? 1990. It's a movie that took a little while, but it is now a beloved Christmas classic. It's it's one of those, it is a Christmas movie, but it's also not a Christmas movie because there's a lot of non-traditional Christmas movie elements, which is why it's so amazing. Um, and this is another scene you may have forgotten happens in this movie. This version of Santa Claus is only in this movie. I counted for about a minute and 40 seconds, but it's a very important minute and 40 seconds. Guys, Home Alone gives us one of my favorite incarnations of Santa Claus ever. Because at this point in the story, Kevin's kind of learned his lesson. He wants his family back, but he's still a kid. So he goes to see Santa Claus to tell Santa he doesn't want any gifts this Christmas. He just wants his family back. But of course, he goes to see, it's not a mall Santa, it's a Santa off in a little workshop thing by itself. Uh, he gets there late at night as the elf is closing up shop. And he says, oh, did I miss him? Did I miss him? And she goes, no, I think he's going to his car. You can still catch him. So here's this guy, just this working Joe, right? He's been having kids on his lap all day and God only knows what, dealing with brats all day. End of his shift. He's done. He's out. He's got his overcoat on. He's literally putting his key in the car door, ready to go home. And here comes this kid, yanking on his coattails. Santa, Santa, wait. This guy. This guy. He stops, turns around, sees it's a kid, flicks his cigarette away, waves the smoke away, puts his beard back on, goes back to work. Oh, hey, kid. Uh, hey, uh, what, what can Santa do for you? And Kevin gives, gives the, the explanation. I know you're not the real Santa. Well, what makes you say that? As his beard is off and he's smoking a cigarette. Uh, 
<laughs> well, I know you're not the real Santa. I know how it works, but I know you work for Santa. So can you pass on a message? And this guy sits there and listens to Kevin pour out his heart and, you know, show that he's learned his lesson. And, and okay, good, sure. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, he doesn't like say, kid, you're crazy. Your kid, go away. I'm off the clock. You know, he listens to Kevin. And then icing on the cake, even though his elf's already taken all the candy canes home to her boyfriend, every kid who sees Santa's got to get a little something. So he digs deep, guys, and he pulls out three Tic Tacs <laughs> and gives them to Kevin because he can't see Santa and not get a little something. This Hold guy, out your mitt there. <laughs> this guy, okay, he deserves all the christmas bonuses this guy hardest working santa in show of his uh, he's played by uh ken hudson campbell and the movie credited as kenneth hudson campbell uh, who was big in the 90s and has kind of like disappeared um he was in mikhail's navy scott he was the cook you know uh, oh, there was did. a fingernail on my soup last week there was a band-aid sorry sir band-aid was holding the fingernail on that guy that uh, santa that, that was uh that's uh up periscope yeah, down periscope down periscope yeah I thought that was McHale's Navy. No. Yeah, no. Whatever. Down Periscope. Down Periscope. He also played... The uh, Navy movie from the 90s, whatever. That one. He also plays what, Scott? What were you saying? He uh, he also played in Herman's Head. Sure. Sorry. Uh, But yeah, there's my top pick. Hardest working scene in the biz. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to go with like Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. That is, a, that's like, that's a deep pull for that Santa. I tried. <laughs> From I, I, tried. I forgot that he was in that. Like, I, he, I, he's, the entire scene is like a minute and 45 seconds. And then you said it, and I was like, oh my God, I can see him right now. Hold out your little mitt there. And he just drops those tic tacs into his hand. Good pick. I like it. Thank you. That's right up there with uh, I would I would say if I'm going to throw out an honorable mention, it would be for um, a Christmas story. And <laughs> I thought about that one. Yeah. The the Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. You shoot your eye out, kid. Now. <laughs> yep. Saying ho, 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 like he's never heard anyone say it in his life. <laughs> He just taps his foot on his forehead. Ho, ho, ho. See, now he's he's the inverse of, of Home Alone Santa's. Is he's at the end of his shift, and he can't wait to get the hell out of here. He's tired of these kids. He's had a long day. The kid before Kevin is just like freezes up and goes full-on non-verbal. Is like, get the kid out of here. Get him out of here. You mean Ralphie. Kevin's Home yeah. Alone. Sorry. You know I got you. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. He'll shoot your eye out, kid. As he steps on his face to push him down the slide. Shoves him down the slide. Yes. That's that's another one on my list of it's now Christmas. I can't. When TBS shows 24 hours of Christmas story, it's like a tradition that you can't really watch the movie all the way through. You just sort of catch bits and pieces as you go. To different places like it was you could turn it on at christmas eve at your house getting ready for church and then you'd go to one grandparents and catch like another 20 to 30 minutes of it and then go to another grandparents and it's on again and then you go home and 
well, you, you catch the end of it. As far as I know, the, the, the guy that wrote the story, you know, the, the, the narrator in the movie is the guy that wrote the story and he wrote it for National Lampoons. And he's also the guy that wrote the story for National Lampoons that 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 uh, Family Vacation is based on. And that's also based on one of his uh, personal vacations. I think Vacation was written by uh, the story for Vacation was written by um, um, shit. What's his name? Um, Breakfast Club guy, John Hughes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a John Hughes story. Because it's it's like Vacation Fifty Five or something is the story, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a John Hughes story. Oh, for some odd reason, I thought they were the same author, the same same source. Oh well, I don't know. Yeah. Awesome. Are we out of Santa's? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any more. Yeah. Alrighty then. So there you go. Any other honorable mentions, or or I just thought of the topic yeah, real quick. The only other shout out I would be would be for Megan. Megan's okay. favorite. Megan's favorite Christmas movie Santa is Ed Asner in Elf. Because it's Ed Asner. You can't argue with Ed Asner. <laughs> like that was her. <laughs> that was her beginning, middle, and end of the argument. <laughs> Ed <laughs> Asner. Like, why? Ed Asner. Yeah, but why? Ed Asner. Okay, okay, my bad. That's that's what it was. She's like, oh, you should say Ed Asner from Elf. And I was like, okay, why? Because it's Ed Asner. You have a compelling argument, Megan. Thank you. I, <laughs> Sorry, still, love, you. <laughs> I still love the fact that when uh, uh, Will Ferrell is at the North Pole with all the elves, like that's done with forced perspective. Yeah. And it's beautiful. That just kills me. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, well. They got sued by Rankin Bass for that. They did. Ultimately, they won. Rankin Bass can go suck it. Damn. Boy, That's Scott's, Scott's just... review of the Rankin Bass Hobbit movie. Scott, he's, he's just firing all the shots tonight. He is. He's just in a real bah humbug mood. Yeah. It's almost like he's a Grinch. Like I'm a kind of Scrooge, even. Favorite Christmas song of all time. So far. The Ten Pains of Christmas? Nope. Oh. Grandma got run over by a reindeer? Nope. Oh, damn. What is Christmas by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Love that song. I love the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, but... To me, my favorite Christmas song will always be the 10 pains of Christmas or the 10 things at Christmas that are, that are such a pain to me. It's funny. I love, I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra as hummed by Dwight Schrute at his desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, there you go. There's our list of our favorite Santas from film and TV and other random sources. Uh, I think a base our conclusion is we like Tim Allen. We like Odin in the guise of Santa Claus. Uh, and we have a soft spot for a working stiff who puts the extra effort in. Because uh, isn't that what Christmas all about, is all about, really? So there you go. Uh, that's our list. What do you think? Who did we leave out? Um, 
What other deep cut Santas did we forget? Uh, <laughs> is there a Santa with less screen time than the Home Alone Santa? Let us know. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about it on the next show. But until then, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.